Hey guys, I'm going to start answering all your marketing questions and concerns on here. I'm going to give you quick bite-sized actionable marketing strategies and tactics that will help you attract new patients immediately and grow your practice. Every Monday, a short episode will come out and each month we will be covering a topic. Topics like ground marketing, Google AdWords, internal marketing, reputation management, and more. And I will have experts, agencies, and professionals give us step-by-step instructions you can easily implement. What you're listening to will be actionable steps you can do today. No strings attached. And then you will see the results. So without further delay, let's get into our Monday morning marketing episode. Hey, Partif, so talk to us about startups. What advice, suggestions, or methods can you give us that will help actually with our startup? So one of the, the biggest advice I could give anybody that is wanting to do a startup is before you actually do it, do as much homework as you can. Don't fall in the trap of, oh, you got to do this million dollar, you know, beautiful wall out there or like, oh, you got to have all these top of the line equipments. Do your homework. Listen to people who have done it. Maybe ask every person you don't know that has done a successful startup. What would be the one thing that you would change if you had to redo it again? And that probably will give you enough to pick up from their mistakes. And, and that will, that will help you a lot. Keep your overheads low. I cannot stress on that. I like my sleep at night and I've done three startups and every startup I do, my goal is to make sure from the very first month, I'm not stressed about how much bills I have to pay. And that will only happen if you keep your overheads low and not just be like, okay, I want to have that $50,000 Sirona chair in there, or I want to have the CBCT with $150,000, whatever the top of the line stuff. I mean, if you can provide that service and if you're confident, for sure, go for it. That there's a lot of secondary market out there. There's a lot of other options out there that, that could help you save a lot. Gotcha. So then how did you do it? Pratif, how did you keep your overhead low from the beginning phases all the way to where you're at now? So my first practice, when I started, I had, I had no money. So what I did was I negotiated with my landlord. So I went heavy on it. And what I did is I picked five locations that I liked to the point where I wouldn't regret if I didn't get any of those. And then I went with all the four or five landlords and I said, this is what I'm getting. I put them against each other. Instead, who's, whoever is giving me the high best deal, I'm going with them. I got my best offer. I started with them. What I did is I had the space for five chairs, but instead I just started with three chairs, got those running, offer services that that patient wanted. Customer service was absolutely something that I believe in a lot. So that helped a lot. And I'm in a very high saturation area. And it works out great because there's so every half a mile and I have every DSO possible in Texas around me. And it worked out great because there's always patients that are upset about it. And that just helped me with my building my clientele in there. Mm-hmm. So that's how I built my first startup. Other than the chairs that I bought, everything else that I bought was used. Uh, my CT was used, my x-rays, um, Nomad was new, my sterilizer was a, a refurbished one. So everything else pretty much other than the chairs and the, and the Nomad were pretty much used in there. Oh, and then... Yeah. Second practice that I did was even lower because now I don't even buy brand new chairs. Now I buy used chairs as well. So another thing that I learned in my second startup was dental contractors versus non-dental. So what I did in my second startup was I made my plan 
And that's something I learned from my first startup mistake. I made my plans first. I hired an architect, paid them out of my pocket. They charged $3 a square foot to make a plan. Give them the money, get your MEPs done, mechanical and electrical plumbing. Pick your color, pick your flooring, pick your, doesn't have to be the final one. But at least if you tell somebody that I want, let's say, call it a sandwich from, from mm-hmm. Chick-fil-A. If you say I want combo number four, now it doesn't matter with wherever you go, the price is the same. So pick your flooring and say, I want this companies and this finish and this model number. I want this paint from Sherman Williams. And that's a model number. Put all of those details in there and then give your plans for bidding to different contractors. And what I did is I gave it to seven different contractors, three dental, four Mm non-dental. And there was a difference of $150,000 plus between dental and non-dental. And I said to myself, and I said, is that worth it? And and the dental contractors, I gave them and showed them, look, I'm getting these. And they're like, well, they're non-dental. They don't know what they're doing. Is it really worth your time? And I said, I'm like, hold on. 150,000 for two months, I think it's worth my time. I want to sit jobless and stay right there doing nothing. If I can save $150,000 in two months, it's worth my time. And I didn't have any issues with non-dental contractors. We pay a big amount of because of the fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true. Because I feel like a, there's like a price tag sometimes, right? Like, uh, oh, there's a dental price tag and then there's a contract yeah. price tag. That's a huge difference, $150,000. And, and that's, that was significant difference to me, at least. And, you know, obviously this was my second practice. I get it. It was my second startup. So I do understand that, uh, you know, it did give me that additional leave area. I was, I knew a part of it because I was a part of my first startup from the, from scratch. But that's one thing. If I have to redo my first startup, I would not go with the dental contractor. Gotcha. So your third one, you didn't go with the dental contractor? No, no. Not even when I expanded my first one, when I expanded my first one from five chairs to nine chairs, three years later, I did not go with a dental contractor. I went with, I got five chairs set up with mechanical, electrical, plumbing, AC in an expansion, demoing the older place. And I got everything done under hundred K. Wow. Without going there. Yeah. yeah. That's good advice then. Okay. So just the fear is what makes us want to go with like, okay, they know what they're doing. They know what they're talking about, things like that. Right. But probably not. Yeah. That's just, that's just being my experience. I mean, I've had people who love going with dental contractors and that's great, mm-hmm. you know? And then I wanted to ask when it came to your team, cause this is the overhead of like equipment, right? Pretty much uh, mm-hmm. chairs. How do you keep overhead low with the team? So what I did was when I started, we started with three employees. One was an experienced dental assistant that had worked with me in the past, knew exactly what we needed to do, what I did, what was my strengths. I had a friend desk who knew what to do. Obviously, it was a good learning curve for me because I didn't know what to do. Coming from a corporate background, I thought I knew it all, but it is a whole different animal when it's your own baby. (laughs) So I had to sit with different people, learn the process, establish my protocols, what I wanted to do, what I wanted my staff to do. And then I hired an entry-level person who I really enjoyed her conversation and customer service. I'm like, if I really enjoyed that customer service, I'm sure the patients will appreciate it. So I just hired her at a base salary, like the lowest possible salary. I'm not even going to say the salary, but she was young. She just wanted to get into dentistry and 
I was like, all right, we'll give you a job. Come on over. She stayed hanging. She stayed around for like six months. Personality was great. It was kind of like a floater in between helping turn around the rooms, picking up the phone calls, learning whatever needed to be done. And as and when I got time, I continued to train her more and more on what I exactly needed. So that's how I kept my overheads low. And then as we started getting busier, we started adding more and more staff to it. Mm -hmm. When it came to any of your other practices, did you follow the same concept? And did anybody like leave like halfway? You're like, oh, man, I was just training you. And then, you know what I mean? Well, you know, it it would be foolish of us as dentists to expect that any of these staff members are going to stay forever. Mm -hmm. It's a reality. There's several factors for that. And the most important one being just the instability in the lives. They don't have, at least in Texas, they don't have the same amount of years they need to put in to earn a degree that you or I did. They don't have the same amount of efforts they put in to go into school to get the degree. So it's easy for them to switch careers. And and I mean, to, literally, Chick-fil-A probably offers more than what you offer in Texas for dental assistants or for staff. So it's a big part is about being prepared for that. And if you have your systems and protocols in there, it doesn't matter who comes in and who goes. Your systems and protocols, you establish them and you tell them, this is what I need you to do. And at that point, anybody comes in and anybody leaves is pretty straightforward. This is my protocol. This is what I want you to do. In the interview itself, can you do this? I'll train you, but can you do this? Mm-hmm. If they say yes, train them. They go out, they leave. That's fine. Get somebody else in the same protocol. Don't get disheartened by the fact and don't expect people to stay here forever. Yeah. So follow your protocols that you're making pretty much, right? Right. Right. Follow your protocols. Uh, you set your rules. It's your baby. You decide what they eat, what they, you know, where they play, what they wear. That's your calling. You just, you make, that's why you're making your own practice, right? That's why you're starting your own practice because you want to be in charge. You may not be right every time you may learn that, oh, you know what? Crap, I made a mistake. I should have done it this way. But that's, that's the whole point. That's the, that's the whole part that I love about startups. and, And that's what I enjoy about it, that you make your mistakes, you learn from it and you grow out of it. Yeah, that's true. Okay. So then besides the dental contractors, what would be the one thing that you would change? So now I have four locations, you know, everybody wants to run the race. Oh, how many locations? Uh, We're a private practice, so we're not just associate driven. I work in all four locations. I work currently six days a week. And if I had to redo everything, I would probably get one million dollar building in the center of Houston and just have like. 30 chairs down there. But again, that's just me saying because right, or because of where we are at today. But no. Very nice. The more you grow, the more you realize, I wish we had done it this way. Why, why do you feel like you're like, oh man, instead of having multiple, just one big one? Doing dentistry is a piece of cake. Mm-hmm. Managing people is the biggest headache. And nobody's going to take care of your baby the way you would. you would. So getting a manager, you could get the most experienced manager. You could get every somebody to do take entire thing off of you. But at least I haven't met those that take all the burden off of you and still treat it like you're, it's their baby and can be on the same level as she did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you feel I like met those managers, you feel like right now with the, the four that you have, if you had one, you'd be there. 
And it, you give it, you're like, I can oversee. Hey, guys, I'm here. You know what I mean? Like, I'm here. Don't pull yeah. any crap on me kind of thing. Like, we're here. Owner's here. But with four, it's like, he's not here today. Yeah. Like, we we tried our best, party, but this is what happened. You're like, did you? Is that how it feels? Exactly. And sometimes it's like some of those things where you're like, come on, really? But anyways, I mean, you know, that's that's a part of our job. And that's a part of the challenge of owning a practice, whether you have one or you have four. Um, we're going to come across those situations. So that's, that's definitely uh, one of the situations. And probably another one would be, you know, I bought a brand, three brand new chairs when I did my first startup. And then I added two brand new after to match them, all five. But that would be something that I would change. I would not have brand new chairs at all. I would buy used chairs, spend $500 to use change the upholstery on it and get them going. I mean, it's, yeah. it's just not worth it. You know, spending yeah. $15,000 on a chair is just not worth it when you can get the same stuff for less than possible. Gotcha. So that's what you think like the, the good number is, like 5000 or less on a chair, especially if it's a used. good quality. Yeah, it's a good quality chair with all the bells and whistles with the, uh, good LED light, couple of stools, delivery doctors, doctor and assistant delivery packages. And I'm exaggerating when I say 5K. Typically, they cost around 3500 on an average, a good quality one. They come with one year warranty and a lot of times, but you know, if you buy directly from a doctor to doctor, it's even better. The biggest problem that I see amongst us, Dennis, is that we trust the salespeople more than we trust each other. Mm-hmm. That's true. You know, so if, if a doctor comes and says he, he wants to sell this to you, you're going to be like, mm. but what if there's something wrong? But the same thing, a sales guy comes and sells you the exact same thing. You're like, but this guy is, is warrantying it. So we're essentially saying, I'll take a word off a sales guy over a doctor. I don't know. Hmm, I never thought about that. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Good insight. Good insight, Pratib. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much yeah. for your time. And if anyone Absolutely. has further questions, you can definitely find them on the Dental Marketer Society Facebook group or where can they reach out to you directly? You know, I am pretty available on my Instagram. It is Charm Dental Care. That's our company's Instagram that I manage. And also, if anybody has questions and wants to talk to me, I'm happy to get on the phone. That's absolutely available there, too. The two probably the easiest ways to, to get me Instagram and phone. Awesome. All righty, guys. So that's going to be in the show notes, as always. And Pratik, thank you so much for being with me on this Monday morning marketing episode. Hey, absolute pleasure. And Michael, I'll tell you this, though. Every time I hire somebody new that is in the forefront of it or that somebody is helping me with marketing, I... Tell them to go up on the on YouTube and listen to Michael Arias and and learn from them. And I personally have learned a lot from your startup groups, even though my first startup was before you guys started the group. But I still I'm a part of it, and it's it's an ongoing journey, and you learn a lot. So thank you so much for whatever you guys are doing and and supporting Dennis. And and where I'm happy if I can help anybody, I'm happy to help. Awesome, man! I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you again. Take care. 